0: Welcome to Grumpy GDPR. My name is Milos Novovic, and I'm an associate professor of law at BI Norwegian Business School. All opinions today are entirely my own.
1: And I'm Maria Alexandra Valle from No Ties Consulting.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Grumpy GDPR. I probably have already said that in the intro, but I'm super excited because once again, we have a special guest in our episode. Ellen, would you like to introduce yourself briefly for those who haven't heard your voice?
2: Uh, it is one again. And today the ungrumpy Alan Frank from the Danish GDPR, uh, the Danish DPA. <laughs>
0: We're so
1: glad to see you here again, Alan. Thank you so much for making the time. We know that your schedule is very hectic, so I'm sure that not only we but everyone really appreciate you being here.
0: Absolutely, it's thank you very much. Such a joy. Um, But, Alan, I have to accuse you of being grumpy left and right since we spoke last time. You have banned (laughs) half of Denmark's, you know, IT infrastructure, basically based on what I hear in uh, some articles of dubious origin. Would you? Care to tell us a bit more? What happened since we spoke last time?
2: Uh, since we spoke the last time, uh, we have received the full material from Helsingør Kommune, uh, the municipality, which were in in yeah uh, in our sites for for violating the GDPR. So we ha- we have received the material and have reviewed that, and we we came to the conclusion that the material received was not good enough to constitute a, a, a DPIA under the GDPR. So so we had to resolve that the, the ban on Google Workspace in Helsingor is still in effect. Uh, and try, that's the short story anyhow. But we haven't banned anything more than that. We haven't, we are only banned uh, the use of this in Helsingor until it's uh, solved to do it in a lawful manner.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a great point to just really emphasize again, because we still see comments out there, not only in news articles, but on LinkedIn and in uh, really uh, fiery discussions that uh, Denmark has banned Google even. So uh, let's just put that straight Straight away, that uh, Google per se has not been banned, but it is the processing structure, so to speak, used by Helsingør municipality in Denmark, and the decision still only applies to that municipality, right?
2: That's co- that's correct. Of course, of course, you can always see parallels all around you, and you can even see vi- visions, which are uh, mirages or phantoms of the opera or something like that. But but it, this is only regarding Helsingør municipality. Remember that.
0: That's a very important clarification. And I think we need to look into a broader context here because it's very easy to fall into this trap uh, of thinking, oh, no, the poor municipality, you know, what were they supposed to do? But I think already in one of the previous episodes, Cidia pointed out that you have been asking for this risk assessment for quite some time now. And what you received this time, and I mean, no offense to anyone, um, did not look like a DPA, you know, graphically very nicely designed. But apart from that, I don't think there was basically uh, risk assessment involved at all. But
2: I have no further comments that what is already in the, the verdict of the Danish DPA in this case.
1: Yeah, and I think I I, uh, I like to do my research, as I say, in every episode. So I just couldn't help myself. So I had to pull the PDF into a Word document and ended up with about 11 pages for that DPIA. And of course, we can't only look at the number of uh, pages when doing a DPIA. But just as an interesting comparison, the Dutch one that uh, you also referred to a few times, Alan, in, in the various articles, etc., uh, the Dutch one was about, I think, 170 pages and the uh, Norwegian one for the COVID apps mittestopp was about 110, I think. So I think it's safe to say that it was uh, lacking in several areas.
2: And, and if you see our, our new decision, it's only taking into account the material received. So, so you have to, to view it in that point of, of, of aspect because We already had two uh, decisions going against Helsinger municipality in this one. The first one uh, ranging back from September last year and the the one from uh, from July and now this one here in August as well. But the last one only relates to uh, whether or not there was a DPIA and the content of that and if they have proven to us that they have solved the uh, non-application or, or violation of the GDPR in, in general or shown us that we could rely that they were actually up within the scope of the GDPR. Uh, and doing it all right.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, if you cannot say that or comment on further specifics on the DPIA, let me rephrase the question then. So uh, what in your mind is a good example of a DPIA or how should a good DPIA for this processing uh, structure look like?
2: Uh, it, It was more or less because your question would result in in a value-laden response in regard to this DPIA, and the Danish DPA has already stated in the decision that it was not sufficient. It lacked in 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 a lot of places, even some of the things that are mandatory under Article 35, 7. So so it was it was lacking uh, some material in specific uh, corners of how to do a dpia so so for me or uh, for the danish dpa when evaluating a a, a risk assessment or a, a dpia we have to be able to see that the the controller has covered every aspect of the 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 processing being done and and of course primarily in the dpia section the processing being done which have a high risk for the, the data subject. Can I
0: just jump in here and play the devils? Yeah, advocate of you can. A little bit. In all fairness, couldn't one argue that the risks, that the actual risks for the data subject, uh, at least pertaining from the second part of your decision, which we'll get into later, are actually so low mm-hmm. that they don't need to be included in a DPIA.
2: Uh, the, pr- the problem is there is two aspects that I would like to emphasize as a start because legality being one has to be in place we can't have a municipality or a, a Danish governmental agency which are not adhering to the princip- principle of legality in their in their administration that's a, a big no-go in uh, yeah in a civilized country so 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 all of the the processing being done which but, by the way if done by the way described results in an illegal or uh, measures that that are not applying or or complying with the GDPR we have to uh, legalize that that's the first point
0: why not go through article 6 then
2: it, the problem is uh, yeah you could go for article 6 as well but but here we uh, haven't we haven't evaluated that in the 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 decision from july we we used the principles in article 51a and and that of course is if you read it out loudly you will see that, that that's a legality issue as well so it's it's two faces of the same coin the one is the principle in 51 and the one is uh, more or less you have to have a legal basis for making your processing
0: fair point i stand i stand corrected <laughs> yes i agree
2: now mm. <laughs> now no, it's okay now it's okay but it it is very difficult to, to to say but that's the first point and then we have to to look at the inherent risks but we had the problem here because if you, if in denmark we had a a processing that was started before uh the, the GDPR came into effect in in 2018. Uh, we have stated in Denmark that the DPIA uh, should not be done because in Denmark we had a, a system of uh, yeah of where the, the Danish DPA made a, a rubber stamp decision that it was okay to process data in a certain way and if you had that rubber stamp originally, uh, you were okay, you shouldn't make a new DPIA. But, but here we went into the very <laughs> unused article 35.11 which, uh, which states we, if it changes, if your processing changes either by the agreements they are under or, or the, the, the hardware or software, the way it's delivered, then you have to, and, and that changes the risk then you have to reassess whether or not you have to make a new DPIA. And, and, and here we have said that it has changed so much in such a matter that they should have done a DPIA earlier. Uh, and that's the way
1: yeah and I think that's a great point to really drive home here for everybody because I I see also many tend to just accept whatever new terms come along whatever new privacy policy comes along and we really need to review those we need to review changes of terms and changes of how personal data is being uh, processed and of course it is challenging we can't even get people to (laughs) read the privacy policy or notice to begin with but I think looking in the context here and to your initial point Alan that in a society where we have public entities processing personal data of school children it's uh, even more important and in this case we had uh, changes of terms eight times the data processing agreement was changed five times and I think the Chrome uh, operating system and browser was changed from version 67 to 104
2: uh, every fourth week. So to yeah, speak. and
1: somebody said uh, comment on that um, somewhere saying that, uh, what do you expect us to do? Should we not update our software? But of course, we need of to. Course you sh- of course you yes. shall.
2: Yeah, of course you, you, you shall update your, your software. It's not that that we are emphasizing, but you have to evaluate if, if the software is fluctuating a lot, probably probably not every time, but if there is a change risk as, as a the, the picture of the risk changes, then you have to reevaluate or see 3511 wise if you have to do a new DPIA. And, and if you haven't done one as in Denmark, if, if the processing was started before the GDPR came into effect, yeah, you, you have to do it at that time later.
1: That said, I think we also have to acknowledge that So, for example, I tried to find the data processing agreement for Microsoft, and I can challenge everybody listening to this episode to try to find the data processing agreement for the type of services that you purchase from, for example, Microsoft or Google or any of the really big providers. and. It is first, it's a maze. It is almost impossible to find the documents that apply to your situation and your context. So, although I see that we need to keep up to date on terms, it is a, a, a real big headache and almost impossible to keep track of all of this. So, how do you recommend municipalities, and especially like small municipalities and small controllers, try to keep on top of this uh, in addition to the massive, massive documents of uh, tens or 20 or 30 pages.
2: I think we have to to acknowledge that the cost of of buying a product, which could be very cheap in other ways of life, probably often has a, a downside and that downside, we have to be aware of that and see if that changes. And if the downside is a breach of the GDPR or the rules, then we have to do something about that. So for for my point of view, it is when we enter into this, we have to evaluate, does it seem sound or doesn't it seem sound? And if it seems uh, sound at that point, then it is fair to assume that, okay, it's probably okay. But you have to evaluate that and then you have to re-evaluate it if it changes a lot. A- and for the small or the municipalities, I-, I think that they could by all means go together uh, as municipalities in the whole of Denmark or those using that kind of, of software or equipment and, and, and do this as a whole instead of doing it one at a time. And and the problem, it's the carpenters, you know. Uh, your your favorite example the local carpenter Uh, there is a carpenter's union there is probably some kind of of association for for carpenters uh, different business needs and they could as well do it for all the carpenters and and there is an institute within the gdpr to do this uh and, and and i think certifications for once could be one of the ways or or codexes uh, the way of 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 doing things within a a special or specific uh, uh, community of service uh, as well could be one way of doing it
0: i have to be a party breaker again uh yeah Uh, so again i have to to start just by saying you know i don't necessarily agree with everything i say but As always. Uh, But uh, this whole uh, focus on the contractual aspect seems a bit misplaced to me because contracts and terms of service have to be separated to extend from the data processing agreements, right? Mm -hmm. The DPA, uh, as in data protection authority, has basically no competence to assess the main agreement which is governed by American law, blah, blah, blah. So, then we have the data processing agreement which uh, in itself, has a minimally prescribed uh, content found in article twenty eight. As long as that content is in line with article twenty eight, a processor does what a processor shall do. Uh, I don't see any need to, you know, evaluate the contract beyond checking whether or not it's article twenty eight compliant. So could maybe some advice to to people out there be, check whether article 28 requirements are met and if your processor is in fact a processor.
2: Yeah, of course you can, but that was the main problem in this case. Uh, Somebody out there, they knew actually that the processor wasn't a processor. They were a controller for for the data. And, And that was the problem here, even though the contract stipulated or the data processing agreement stipulated something, uh, when you read it out loud for yourself, you would it would constitute a situation where the data uh, processor, the so-called data processor, wasn't a, a data processor uh, in, the, in the real scenario, in the real world. And you can't instruct somebody to, to do things on their own. Without breaching the definition and four seven and four eight of what is a controller and what is a processor,
0: but people just don't get this nuance, and many are just so fascinated by contracts that they don't seem uh, to kind of focus on the fact that not everything that the contract says actually makes sense. You and me could sign a contract saying that I'm a chicken, but like I wouldn't go bok bok just like you know <laughs> out loud. <so>. No, <laughs>
2: no, no, no. Of course, no, of course not. But it, we have to, we have to see how things work out in real life how it works out in reality and based on that contract and that situation using that stack of software and everything like that and then the the, in this case there was a known problem there was a lot of known problems both in the, the technology stack and but also within the contract itself.
0: Yeah, and I mean it's a known negotiation problem when speaking with these companies. Uh, a- actually, whomever gets them to acknowledge that they're joint controllers or anything like hats off, like uh, you know. But.
2: The, yeah, but, but uh, f- uh, for the DPA's view, it's always uh, it's all it's important to state that if you don't acknowledge the real problem, we don't ever get to address it. Then it will be in the dark both for the controller and the processor maybe, but also for the Danish DPA or the DPA, we won't, we won't see that. And, and that could be all kinds of, uh, yeah, breaches going on underneath then, if we, if we just adhere to, to that thought. So we have to have some minimal entry level of what to do it. And of course, we should be able to trust our processors because that's what 28.1 is about.
1: Yeah, and I think another takeaway is uh, for everybody to really read the data processing terms if they are inside of another contract or a standalone agreement or whatever, really go through it and look at what are the various processing activities that are described here. Because I think it's very commonplace to have that type of processing that we will use this data also for our own purposes, not explicit like that, but it says that we will use this data to improve Mm -hmm. our services. This is really common. Especially with U.S.-based providers, and I think that a key takeaway is for everybody to go back to the data processing agreements and look for those kind of uh, phrases, and then try to get rid of them. Which is really, which, yeah. which is, uh, to be fair, not uh, an easy challenge with the likes of uh, the Google's and the Microsoft. So, what is what would be your recommendation there for the small uh, controllers with less negotiation
2: powers? Yeah, but I would like to state as well, but it could be that the, the, the use of the, the personal data in, their, in that particular way of processing could be all right. The problem was here that we had a Danish municipality bound by Danish law not to divulge the data or use it in any other way than within the Danish school system. So the problem was, does it include... Being in the Danish school system, that your data as a pupil is used to to evaluate or, or make uh, Google software better in this case. So the
1: carpenter could actually allow for that type of use. I, I I haven't
2: I haven't said that, but it could it could be it could be because there's a little more maneuvering for a private uh, entity than there is for a Danish governmental a- agency. Yeah. Uh, or or entity Uh, because in Denmark every governmental agency are bound by their legal ground or what their legal focus is is, so to speak and they can't go on the other side of that. There are a lot more maneuver room, uh, room for maneuvering if you are a private entity.
0: So, in essence, um, the discussion we're having here is that two controllers, even if being independent controllers, both have to have uh, covered uh, basically their Article 5, Article 6 duties, right?
2: Yeah, I, 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 and that is probably the, the short way of saying it, if, if you use a processor or you use a con- another processor which act as a co-controller, you have joint controllership. Because I think that there could be a question of joint controllership in some some cases around, uh, especially cloud services. So so if you are in that situation, you have to evaluate if if it's all right, five, one wise all the way around. And that you are sure that you have uh, legal ground to give the data to the other controller in, in their way of doing things. It, and, and you have to, to know the downside of being in a joint controllership relationship, so to speak.
1: Moving on to just another uh, thing that we found a bit peculiar here. I'm not sure how much mm. you can say about that, but uh, the role of the DPO here in uh, in a DPIA generally. But uh, in this case, can you speak to that?
2: Yeah, yeah just a little bit. Uh, we have already mentioned just a wee bit in the, in the decision itself. And, and it is very, very clear to say that the 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 entity being the data controller owns the DPIA, that it's their DPIA, so to speak, and the DPO has a role to play. Article thirty eight, thirty nine describes what a DPO should do and, and, and what what they are supposed to do, and, and they have to be able to fulfill that role free and 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 not bound of time pressure and things like that it has to be an an okay process to see it's not it's not it's not enough that justice is done it must also appear as if justice was done quoting the yeah qu- quoting the European code of human rights here
1: yeah and I think another um thing that I would uh, at least like to recommend to everybody doing DPIAs is is to involve the data subjects. I think that is a brilliant thing to be doing anyway, you get uh, the uh, feedback from those who you actually are going to process personal data on. So I would say that I would have loved to see the municipality involve uh, data subjects uh, in their DPIA, but uh, I guess that's uh, a takeaway
2: for others i i'll i'll let it stand by that remark
0: so i think that uh, we've used quite a bit of time i think i have a rather personal mm. question to end it off with um your say you can pick a case about anything in this world next uh, are you doing schools or are you doing something entirely else
2: yeah but, but you know you know that the world of the dpa is a very broad one and and to to, to speak freely, we we are looking into all kind of complex scenarios around this. And schools, uh, this just happened to be in the basket. So we haven't followed this in particular. It was because we had a case of uh, revolving around that. And we, when we dived into it, we found a lot of other scenarios. But one of the things that we are focusing on in the Danish DPA is every place in life where you can't, avoid using an electronic mean, either because it's forced upon you by society or the government, or or it's the way that a a kind of service is dealt around. Then we would very much like to see on that and see if it's done in a good and lawful manner, because everything where we are forced to do something and use something, that we have to be extra careful that it is done in a rightful manner.
1: That sounds very good. So final question for you today, Alan. What are the next steps now in the infamous Helsingor decision slash case? Yeah,
2: but uh, we are awaiting some material from Helsingor right now. We had a very, very fruitful meeting with Helsingor and the Danish uh, total body of, of, of municipalities in Denmark and the the, the, the Ministry of Education. and, and, and we are now waiting for uh, a way to start a process legalizing the uh, the decisions or, or the way they do processing in Helsinger so what the next step will be is up to Helsinger but we are waiting some material from them and and then we will find a way and, and that is true to to say to all the Danish municipality using this kind of of processing that we have to, we can't, we can't afford to have illegal way of of dealing with the the data subjects data. So we have to legalize that.
1: Yeah, and I wish you and the municipality the best of luck in uh, doing that going forward. And we will be sitting, uh, hitting F5 on your website in the meantime, I guess. You're
2: so welcome. And, And I hope you will read some of our other, our other verdicts as well, other things, because we have a lot of publicity around our different decisions so you're always welcome
0: thank you so much i (laughs) read everyone take care thank you so much thanks